welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. Today's Quest Conversation features the letter S, which stands for Street Ministry Workers. This is going to be a uh, two-part conversation with my guests, and I think a, a good sampling of what 21st century street ministry looks like in Canada. What happens if you intentionally hang around with people on the streets and in the community looking for ways to befriend, to show hospitality, and to nurture their spiritual formation? Instead of a formal office with a sign on the door, the office is a backpack, a car, or a cell phone. Street ministry workers find themselves visiting jails, shelters, hospital wards. They go where they see an opportunity to be the sidewalk pastor of the unchurched. And miracles happen there. They happen on the streets all the time. Our guests today are Bob Gal from Edmonton, Anna Morgante, Morgante from Winnipeg, and EJ Tupe from Toronto. Uh, both Bob and EJ have been previous guests on the podcast, so welcome back, guys. And uh, welcome first-timer Anna Morgante, although you did get an honorable mention from your past. Thank you. That was yeah. uh, awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, We'll, uh, in the show notes, we'll have uh, links to uh, uh, EJ and Bob's uh, previous uh, episodes in case you want to go back and hear more of their incredible wisdom. So, uh, oh, now, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah, we'll, you, we'll go back just uh, to humor them, if nothing sure. else. They'll humor you. Um, so, I, I'm, uh, I know uh, all of you fairly well. Uh, but I'd like you to introduce yourself. And I also know that all of you wear many hats, uh, but today I want you to put on your uh, street ministry toque and uh, tell us about your engagement on the streets of your city. So uh, recognizing too that uh, for the, the past uh, 15, 16 months, uh, we haven't had the same freedom to be on the streets and and activities have changed a lot for for a lot of you but so some of today is going to be retrospective looking back at uh, when you were on the streets more and some of you are still on the streets so um, let's uh, let's start with our, our newcomer Anna and uh, Anna is in Winnipeg so tell us about yourself and uh, your city and and how um, you are pastoring uh, people that uh, are not in the church. Thank you, uh, Kevin. So I'm a Mission Canada worker reaching our next generation. And I'm actually here in the heart and core of downtown Winnipeg. So I help with Calvary Temple Church and I'm involved in a lot of outreach ministries. But what's really amazing is before I was a Mission Canada worker, I was still really involved in the community and volunteering my time uh, ministering in Headingley Jail, which is a men's correctional institution with Prison Fellowship Canada. You know, praying for others in hospitals, in their homes, doing a lot of um, praying on the streets, and just sharing a coffee with someone that just needed to, you know, 
to share a little bit about what was on their heart. So it's just been a real privilege to serve and continue to do what God has been stirring in my heart. Yeah, thank, thank you, Anna. Um, looking forward to hearing more in this thank interview. Um, so uh, EJ, um, I, uh, you and I had uh, conversations a few years ago where you felt like uh, you were the only one in Canada doing something like this. And, uh, but uh, God is uh, continuing to call people into this kind of work. And so tell a little bit about uh, EJ Toupe and uh, what uh, being a uh, sidewalk pastor has, has looked like in your life. Sure. Uh, my name's EJ, I'm an urban missionary here in downtown Toronto. I've been with Mission Canada since 2013. Oh my word. <laughs> I've lived downtown and been doing ministry since 2007. So I, I've, I've been here quite a while. And I think at least, I, I know I've shared a little bit of what I used to do, but this pandemic kind of represented two different seasons. In the early parts of the pandemic, I was actually serving in the front lines. Um, I was doing prayer meetings with fellow urban ministry leaders in the city, and, and one of them shared that their shelter was very short-staffed and was on the verge of possibly closing if they lose any more staff. And as he said that, felt the nudge from the Holy Spirit to go like, all right, EJ, you're up, buddy. <laughs> so so after on the shelter hat. Yeah, yeah. So I after I finished prayer, I, I spoke to Cheryl and and she was also in tears because she knew that this was from the Lord, but it also meant that uh, we were diving right into a dangerous situation. Uh, not much was known about the pandemic at that time. We just knew that there was a need and it really affected us because uh, we're, we have a toddler. And so we had to figure out how to make that work. And I hadn't worked a night shift in a shelter in years. <laughs> so, so I, so 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. was all of a sudden like, oh yeah, how did I used to do that? So it's, so, um, so in the early pandemic, it was us serving there. Um, even though I was the only one at the shelter, really our whole family was in on it. And it was very cool to, to just love on those guys. I, I think a Good Friday, I had the blessing of uh, preaching to to uh, the residents there, and and it was such a, a blessing to to see people respond. And some people were weeping because I was just talking about, you know, how God loves us through our fears, and and so yeah. And, and what's also interesting is because I now sit in some leadership tables in the community and in the city the guys thought it was always funny that they would tell me their issues and I would have a response from the mayor's office a few days later. <laughs> so they thought that was kind of fun. Because <laughs> uh, they, what, I'll give you an example, they were handing out tickets to some of the guys for hanging out in the parks uh, during the stay at home order to which like I'm thinking, well, they're homeless. And they got kicked out of the shelter during the day. Where do you think they're gonna go? 
<laughs> it was a silly rule. And eventually the mirror's office got back to me and, you know, they, they uh, understood and gave instructions to shift. And, and uh, so that was the early pandemic. And then now um, I've been able to still uh, do one-on-one -on -one meetings with some of my brothers in jail, which is great. Uh, but I don't get to uh, spend ministry inside the, the, the prison cells anymore. So I'm, I've actually unleashed my brothers to be the preachers of their range. So uh, I get phone calls when they have theology questions. It's kind of fascinating. So, uh, and, and empowering to see the Holy Spirit uh, really just pass the baton. That's, that's a joyous thing. And so, um, yeah, I'm still serving some people. Um, some of my homeless friends have found housing, praise the Lord. So I'm helping some people get furniture, helping some people move. Um, I was able to get an early vaccine because I'm still doing outreach. So I've been vaccinated since uh, March. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really, I'll, I'll be short with this last thing. You know, it's funny too, because even now when I still don't plan on anything, yesterday I was just walking around Young Street and some young lady was being pinned down the ground by a security guard for theft and and everyone else just didn't care about her and until uh, I I spoke to the managers and was trying to hold them accountable to be like hey you know it's it's fine if she she stole something but you shouldn't really go overboard and so uh, really grateful that I got to be a presence of peace and things kind of shifted and more people had compassion for her. And, and even when the police were there, things didn't go too crazy. I spoke to the officers and, you know, when Jeremiah talked about uh, seek the peace of the city, uh, that's a, uh, that's a literal instruction, I guess. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> and, and lots of opportunities uh, continually presenting themselves on the streets. Yeah, it's funny. I'm sure Bob and, and Anna can attest to this, right? Like, who needs a plan? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, if you walk around and say, like, okay, God, like, send me where I need to be sent. And when you're open to the leading of the Holy Spirit and trust that the Holy Spirit will lead, guess what? You will be led somewhere. That's right. That's Amazing. Right. <laughs> also, if he knows that you are going to do something about it or you know help someone in need he will bring you the person it's elegantly simple isn't it yeah <laughs> and uh then uh the uh the elder uh sidewalk pastor of our pan illustrious panel here uh bob gal who was uh a sidewalk pastor in uh, a previous century and uh, well, actually, we were all in the previous century, so I can't can't lay that heavy on you. You're you're the youngest uh, guy that's older than me, I know. So, uh, Bob, uh, tell us about uh, the streets of Edmonton and uh, the uh, the strange rabbit trail that God takes you on. Well, Kevin, I just want you to know that they have made a new ruling now, and you can alter your passport or your birth certificate and i'm altering mine i'm keeping my gender but i was born in 2000 okay so <laughs> let's just go with that <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> hey that's what i feel 
Like I, I feel that. That's how old I feel. Uh, serving Jesus keeps you young, mm-hmm. and uh, being on the street keeps you even, you know, kind of a teenager, almost in your mind and your thoughts. Uh, I actually came to Christ in '55, and uh, I came to know the Lord in a little town called Richtown. This guy, fiery preacher, his name was Willie Fitch, was preaching. I came under conviction. I accepted Jesus. Went back to the farm the next day. Ran out to the end of the driveway. This is the beginning of my street ministry. My first street was highway number three. There were no sidewalks there. And there's there a, a, a road crew was working. And Kev, uh, the guy had the white hat. He was the boss. I went up to him and said, hey, and this is the Holy Spirit. You're five years old. This is the call of God. I said, where's this road going? And he looked at me, a little kid. He goes, well, it's going to Talbotville. And this is the Holy Spirit. I said, do you know the road to heaven? <laughs> and then I ran back to the farmhouse because I didn't know what to say. The conviction of the Holy Spirit came on that man. He came to our farmhouse, knocked on the door and said to my mom, what happened? And he said, what did your boy mean? And my mom got to explain the gospel to him. Mm-hmm. And guys, that's my life. Uh, I can keep going forward from there. Uh, a guy named George Johnstone was my pastor in Zig Thomas. Um, I was one of the leading musicians in the orchestra at a young boy. I played the accordion. And when you're doing street ministry, there's nothing like an accordion. You know, okay, 55, you know, 58. Come on, come on, work with me. There were no keyboards. That's why I took that. And I would play the accordion on the streets. I am not kidding. And by the time I got to high school, I was known as father, like a priest. When I was playing football, the coach used to send me out and go, hey, father, get out there, because you forgot my name. Because street ministry has been the call of God in my life. Mm -hmm. So let me come to today. Oh, my goodness. Uh, It's never been busier on the street. Um. I get ideas. They don't always come right out of scripture, but when you got scripture in you, you see something and it reminds you of scripture. And I saw this. This is the latest one, guys. This is as late as last Saturday. I took my first time. I took out my peanuts, Charlie Brown, Lucy Booth, you know, psychiatric five cents. Well, mine has on it. Soul care prayer, five cents. And, and Kev, I'm on the streets for three hours. We giving out food and everything. People kept lining up mm. to come for the prayer care booth, the soul care booth. And um, I'll tell you more about that later. That's the latest thing. It's happening on the street. I find that caring for people on the street, it's just, it's where the church, I know this is where we're all going, folks. We're yeah. going this way. Yeah, I think, Bill, uh, that, Bob, one of the, uh, you know, things that has been characteristic of many of the things that you've done over the years uh, is that you really do operate from a childlike faith and a childlike heart. And, uh, you know, so um, anybody uh, that grew up with Charlie Brown knows exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) Doctors in five cents. And, uh, but to, to see that replicated and to, you know, that's winsome. That's, that's not offensive. 
And, uh, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that uh, in their sense of calling to some kind of ministry vocation, um, they're, they're going to live out their ministry calling in a very controlled setting in a, in a church or a religious organization where they have a clearly defined role, uh, clearly defined expectations uh, from who they're serving. And, and uh, while all of you have had your experiences in these kind of domains, you also have a bit of a wild side that leads you to uncontrolled settings like streets, parks, bars, uh, jails, visiting in the homes of city dwellers, you know, getting down on your knees beside somebody's cardboard box that they're living in. Um, what is it about the street that compels you to venture out? When many people would say, uh, I, I can't do that without a plan or, oh, there's, there's too many risks out there, you know, um, you know, it, uh, that's not my calling, uh, but it is your calling. So uh, talk to me about that. What is it about the street that compels you to venture out when others wouldn't? Anybody want to take a run at that? You go right ahead. I'm ready. Oh, go ahead, Anna. You Sorry. Please, our missionary, our missionary to the COVID. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I guess there was a season in my life where I was in their shoes, right? I didn't uh, serve the Lord for many years. You know, I knew who God was and, you know, I attended those local bars and um, just maybe having somebody reach out to me during that time, you know, would allow me to get in the car and go to church because I wouldn't. And I remember there was a friend of mine who eventually would just knock on my door in minus 50 degree weather and pull me out and get me to church. And eventually I went on my own. Um, you know, it's amazing because I didn't have a car for seven years. And when I took the bus and walked on the street, that's where like God really opened my eyes to what was really happening. You know, I was no longer in my own little world. I was right there. So I'm just blessed that I didn't have a car. I was taking the bus. I was talking to people in bus shelters and just being with them and getting to really hear these stories. And, you know, you know, when I got saved in my late 20s and just receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and feeling the agape love, the Father's love, I started to feel that burden for others. And, uh, and what God feels for his people. When I went to prison ministry, I got a call like, hey, Anna, you want to serve in male's prison? And I was unsure, but I was like, Lord, just like EJ said, what do you, what, what are you calling me to do today? And I got that call and I served in the chapel service for two and a half years. And I started weeping when I come home because I'm like, Lord, this is what you feel. Now I get it. Yeah. Were you, Anna, were you always um, fearless to get into uncontrolled environments that are environments that you couldn't control? I think I have because I've been doing this as, as a child. I used to live in Europe. I lived in Sicily in a really small community. So I'd be going out on the streets and visiting my neighbors and just 
sitting with them and spending time with them. But I also feel that it was also modeled. My parents uh, brought me on the streets. They did a lot of street evangelism. So it was just something I was used to. So I'm blessed that they um, kind of showed me the way. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I feel you know, when we receive the Holy Spirit's power, you know, we can overcome anything, right? There are going to be times when you feel afraid, but you, you do it afraid. I just think that's amazing, Kevin, that, you know, just two and a half years ago, she got saved in her late twenties. Hey, and (laughs) about 10. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Bob. Appreciate that. Uh, hey, man, it looks like it to me. Hey, man. He does keep us young. That's yeah, amazing. absolutely. I agree with that. Almost. <laughs> so, uh, so you guys, uh, what is it about the street that compels you to venture out? Where does this wild side come from? Kevin, I, I got a scripture. Like, the scripture is John 12, 26. Jesus said, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the father will honor anyone who serves me. Kevin, I was on a TV program, a Christian program. And afterwards, everybody's out in this restaurant hanging out and they're all talking technical stuff and a bunch of, I I couldn't even get into it because I didn't understand what they were talking about. So I'm kind of just sitting there. And I heard, and I, I, you know, sometimes you say something, but it's a little bit louder than you intended. And in this restaurant, just blurted out of me, Jesus escaped the church. And everybody in the restaurant turned and looked. And these guys looked at me, and I didn't have the next sentence. I didn't know what else to say. That's all I said. Jesus escaped the church. And then a couple seconds of silence, and everybody went back talking. That sentence that blurted out of my mouth marked me. The word escaped. You escape when you're being held against your will. Jesus escaped the building long time ago. And most of the gospels, you'll recall, look, yeah, he's in the synagogue. Yeah, but most of it is on the streets. And I want to be where Jesus is. Now, the other thing is I'm very, um, I don't know, I look to investments and I'm looking at, I'm looking at putting something ahead of me. So I got something to live on. You know what I mean? But I'm not talking about this life. It's not retirement. It's heaven. When I get to heaven, uh, the scripture, Matthew 25, those of you watching, you just look this up, mark it down. Matthew 25, 34 to 40. The king will say to those on his right, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, 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 and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, Anna, and you visited me. Then the righteous will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty, give you something to drink, or stranger? You know the whole story. When did we ever see you sick or in prison? And the king will say, Bob, Anna, EJ, 
and guitar player Kevin. I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you were kissing me. Just last Saturday, I looked right into the face of Jesus Christ. Now, he didn't have any teeth on this side. I think he'd been in a fight. And he looked like a First Nations guy, and he kind of slurred his speech. What a cover-up. What? What a cover-up. His sister, they didn't know where he, she was. She was missing. His mother was dying. And the, I could feel the presence of Jesus in me. He needed to be there, Kev. And he used my body. I'm right with Jesus. When I prayed with him, Jesus started crying. And I knew when he walked away, I'll be going, see you at the throne, Jesus. Everybody watching, you all need to get on the streets because that's where Jesus is. Everybody, you, pastor, you who's behind the pulpit, you've never been out talking to anybody for a long time except Christians. You get to get out there. You're going to miss it. You're going to get to heaven and going to go, hey, you didn't feed me. You? Yeah. There's going to be people in clerical robes who are not going to get too much. Because they didn't go where Jesus was. Jesus said, you got to be where I am. So, Kevin, sorry. But, boy, I'm fired up. I'm really fired up. And I want you who are watching, God's calling some of you to come. Come on. Come on. Come on, follow me, Jesus says. Come on. Yeah. I got a feeling, Kevin, there's a pastor watching this right now. And God is calling a pastor to say, I want you to leave the pulpit. And I want you to come to the curb. Get on the sidewalk. Because that's where I am. And your life is going to change. Your whole ministry is going to have whole new meaning. Okay, I'm done. EJ, go, man, go. <laughs> Bob, you're the best. <laughs> you know, it's funny how the Holy Spirit works because, you know, as I was thinking about Kevin's question, I was thinking of Matthew 25, and then you just set it up for me. And I, I think when I was younger, when I, I would experience God's presence in church altars, I thought that was it. That's where you experience God. And then, you know, I worked in a shelter 16 years ago, and that passage went into my mind and into my heart. And, and now I experience Christ not in churches. It's on, on the streets. And, and when you experience Christ in, in those places, it's, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of addictive, to be honest with you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right? Because it it's both, it's both uh, humbling because... Like one, you didn't, it's not fabricated. You can't, it's not theater. And, and two, it's surprising because you're just like, I don't know how this happened. And it's also hilarious because you just go, because things work out and you're thinking like, I have no idea <laughs> how this worked out. And, and I think uh, having that joy exuberance in expressing your faith, it, Bob, and Anna is right. Like it's, it's invigorating. Like I love Jesus more now than I did when I was a teenager. Um, but with a danger question though, it's funny because when I was working in the shelter, 
earlier in the pandemic, that represented a new danger for me. Because before, when I was putting myself in danger, that's fine. It's just me. Uh, and then when I got married, Cheryl was was in on it. So that's great. But But now I'm a dad. And I remember that was one of the calculations for me. It's like, am I... Am I putting my daughter in danger? And then eventually the Lord spoke to me and, and said, and I thought, you know, God loves my daughter more than I do. Uh, the first time God said that to me, I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually I had to accept it. And if, if the Lord loves my daughter more than I do, then living in obedience is the most is the safest place for me to be in and that the most dangerous place for me actually is to live outside of God's will and and what kind of faith am I modeling to my child what kind of Jesus is she seeing mm -hmm. if I decide to not uh, obey the Lord simply because I felt it was unsafe right and so uh, yeah that was such a powerful moment for me and and still to this day i i it's like such a new appreciation to living by faith <laughs> you know i didn't know parenthood is also walking by faith right that i have no idea what my daughter is seeing and and how i i live my life and and i think her life is going to be richer with with all our our poor friends our friends in the margins and they all love her. Uh, they they like. Uh, there's actually one guy. One of my former youth is the babysitter for my my daughter, and that's a joyous thing. And there's one guy in the building. He buys her an apple turnover every day. <laughs> a nice fresh one every day. So out of his poverty, he gives lavishly to my to my child. Wow. Like that's. Man. That's Jesus, right, Bob? <laughs> oh man, that's Jesus. Yeah, it's making me cry just thinking about it. I need to stop. <laughs> oh. I, I know Jesus likes apple turnovers. I know that. You know what? Hallelujah I, to that. <laughs> EJ, there's truth in that. You know what? Jesus knows the heart of a child. Okay. And that man, that's the heart of Jesus through him expressing in a very understanding way. He knows. And, and that's why he says, I love your girl more than you. And you go, oh, no, no, no. And that's a little demo of it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's a, it's a little I, demo. My daughter is surrounded by a lot of my former Evergreen Street kids because they live near there. And so my, my daughter is literally growing up with uh, some kids that I that I helped rescue. Crazy. They were, they were going to be taken away by CAS. And like I helped them get re i i get together back with their family and my daughter is playing with, with these kids <laughs> okay beautiful kevin just guys say okay ej just like god showed you that i love you even i love your daughter more than you i'm gonna say anna i don't mean i'm not flattering okay this is not flattery this is not flattery you talk about obeying jesus keeping you young I literally didn't know your age. I thought you were in your 20s. Amen. <laughs> I really did. I honestly, I've gone, oh, she's a awesome. 20s young girl just starting out, you know. 
Yeah, that's how old I feel. Like I'm actually turning 42 in July. Praise the Lord. He keeps Come me on. Now you tell oh, the truth, know. sister. This is no time for this. <laughs> tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Isn't Kevin, I look back to on a on a on a stage, I don't know, some kind of a band band shell. You were playing a guitar. We were doing street ministry. That was a few years ago. Nothing has changed. Time is gone, but when you're obeying God and honestly, when you're close to him, like on the streets, everybody that's listening and watching, I'm telling you, no kidding. It's the fountain of youth. You want to stay young, be with Jesus, stay with Jesus. And you just don't get old. It, it, you don't, you stay young. When, when you think about people who are, you know, uh, much older than than any of us uh the ones that stay the youngest um it's because they keep it simple when it comes to loving people yeah. they don't uh they don't let other things crowd out the most important thing and and they they maintain those soft eyes into old age um you know uh talking about kids and I remember uh, when I was a kid and uh, I was celebrating a birthday it would have been probably about grade five and uh, how old's that 10 or something and uh, <clears throat> anyways um, uh, as part of my birthday gifts uh, I had gotten a, a ten dollar bill which was big money back then and uh when uh, it was time to, uh, I was going out with my dad in the car, we were gonna go somewhere where I could spend my money and buy something for myself. And uh, so um, we're, we're driving along and I was in the back seat and uh, my dad was uh, pastoring in Cambridge at the time, Cambridge, Ontario. And uh, he saw somebody staggering down the side of the road, somebody that he knew uh, from his ministry work. And so the car pulls over to the curb, the window goes down, old school, roll down the window. And my dad says something to him. And, and uh, so the guy gets in the front seat of the car and and uh, he was um, uh, well ad advanced in his day of drinking. And, uh, but I watched from the back seat while my dad took time to listen to him, to uh, say some encouraging words to him. Uh, I think he may have prayed with him. And uh, so uh, at, at one point, my dad said, well, um, this is my son, Kevin, in the back seat. And uh, actually, we're just going out to, um, as part of his birthday celebration. And, and uh, so the guy opens up his wallet and pulls out a $20 bill and oh. turns around. He's going to hand it to me in the back seat. And I'm 10 years old, so I'm like, all right, <laughs> all right. And my dad says, uh, oh, Oh no, Bill, Bill, that's okay. Um, you know, you you set money to to feed your family. Um, you know, uh, we're we're okay. Um, Kevin's got some money, and uh, so he 
are you sure? And he puts it back in the wallet. Now on we went. And uh, I don't think my dad remembers that event happening, but as a 10 year old kid, I sure ha happened to remember that. And uh, I mean, that was uh, almost 50 years ago. And uh, it's crystal clear in my mind because God was saying in seed form some things to me that would grow all through my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I love, love hearing about, uh, about your daughter, EJ, and, and, and those, those father questions, man. We, we ask those questions about our kids. Um, so one of the things I've noticed is that uh, sometimes when people will, uh, in the past, uh, be asking, uh, how are things in Windsor, you know, or how are things in Calgary or any other city that's dependent on an industry. And uh, so you get into these um, city cycles of prosperity and, and depression. Uh, sometimes we're in, in feast and sometimes our city's in famine. But those markers tend to mostly affect the middle class. Uh, the, the poor often, uh, if there's a depression, you know, in the economy tanks, um, not a whole lot really changes when you don't really have a lot to begin with. It's when you have a lot to lose that you're more sensitive to those kinds of cycles and climates. Um, when, when you take that idea and extend it to uh, what we've been through with pandemic restrictions, uh, you know, the, most of the, the, the press and the media and the governance tends to focus on uh, the middle class. And, uh, and yet our folks who are homeless, our folks who are, uh, you know, living um, below the, the poverty line and, and uh, living with, with a lot of uh, difficulty, um, what effect has this past year had on them? Is it much different for them than it was, say, in 2019, two years ago? Or is it dramatically different now for them? Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys are seeing on the streets in your city, not, not for, for us comfortable middle-class folks, but uh, for, for the people that, that God places in our path. What's happening in your city? How has uh, the um, hullabaloo around COVID-19 uh, marked their lives or caused any kind of change. Uh, anybody uh, seeing some things happen over the last year and a bit? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Bob. Hey, uh, you hit it right on, Kev. Here's the thing that I'm finding. There's new people on the street who never thought they would ever be there. Okay, I have, I've actually met teachers who lost their job, lost their marriage, lost their home. They're on the street. The hardest one I found, this was, this was the toughest one, a pastor living in his car. A former pastor from a smaller town 
They no longer wanted an old pastor. He was in a small little church. There was no pension. His wife died. He's living in a car. And while I'm praying with him at my little spot of prayer, somebody smashed the window in his car to take his belongings out of the car. That's how it's affected. COVID has brought new people to the street that never thought they'd ever be there. That's, that's, that would be my read on it, Kevin. The people that were on the street hasn't changed much for them, but there's people on the street now never thought they would ever be there. Yeah, it's, that's, 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 that is really the biggest change. It, it really is true that any of us are a, a couple decisions or a couple uh, circumstances away from being in, in that exact same situation. It could happen to any of us, couldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess for me, it's kind of an interesting narrative in Toronto. I am so proud of my city. <laughs> uh, we were stuck on affordable housing for a long time. Uh, in fact, the last board meeting at the community center, we sat, I was, I was sitting in, we were kind of sad because we wanted to advocate for affordable housing for people. And it took the pandemic <laughs> to make the city prioritize housing. Uh, so, so literally thousands of new units are being built or have been built. So a lot of my friends are getting housed. It's kind of why I have a hard time telling my story because some of my marginalized friends are experiencing some of their biggest victories in this time, which is so, it's so crazy, right? Like, like I know two of my people, they just got out, they got out of debt. <laughs> you know? uh, one of my friends, he just got housed. He was panhandling down the street. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, I got, I got a quick one for you. This, this just happened. Okay, many years ago in Ontario, I'm part of a drama called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flame. A guy plays the devil. He's really good. He's a wonderful born-again believer, big guy, leading somebody to Jesus outside afterwards. The guy's like six foot something back then. These guys are bent over the fence, and he's going, you guys want to accept Jesus? They're going, yeah, yeah, well, we do, we do. <laughs> like, like, whatever you say, we'll do it. You know? <laughs> but listen, this is incredible. I never recognized him. He got his, his, his life came apart. He ended up doing time in prison, but a lot of the time he did in prison, he's now been, it wasn't, it wasn't right. So the government's going to have to pay him back for his years in prison, but he's on the street and guys, this is so awesome. You say, how has COVID changed things? Well, he needed work. And so, working it all out, got him painting jobs and everything else. He started a business. Wow. <laughs> so he has become his own businessman and he's supporting the ministry from the street. Yep. I, that is uh, awesome. That's, that's beautiful. Well, that brings us to the end of part one of uh, my interview with Bob Gal, Anna Morgante and EJ Tupe. And one of the things that uh, I hope happens in uh, this, this podcast is that as you get to 
meet uh, different people involved in urban work across the country. Uh, that you would also go to our show notes at sidewalkskylinepodcast.com. Um, many times uh, they uh, are people who uh, are raising support uh, for uh, the ministries that they're involved in. And uh, so why not go to the show notes today and uh, think about uh, if, if you can make a donation. All three of our guests today are Mission Canada workers. Mission Canada is an agency that uh, I work with part-time and uh, we're looking at the gaps in Canadian culture and saying uh, where can we go uh, that uh, sometimes it's not where the church is. Where are the gaps? So, uh, you know, I think about uh, the, all of the ways that uh, God has given people creativity to, uh, to be explorers, to be entrepreneurs, to, to be people that uh, see a need and do something about it. So uh, if, if that's uh, something that uh, you're interested in, uh, check out uh, the Mission Canada webpage as well. Welcome back uh, on June 15th for part two of uh, my conversation on uh, Sidewalk Pastors. Until that time, I'm Kevin Rogers, and this is Sidewalk Skyline Podcast.